0: Well, good morning, everybody. So we have, as you probably know, been taking this Advent season to walk through the first nine chapters of the book of Isaiah, which was written to the nation of Judah about 700 B.C. And when Isaiah wrote this book, the nation was in a dark place. Uh, there had been an invasion from a foreign nation. Uh, there was threat of further invasion, and they were just on the edge. Anybody watch any of the presidential debates, Democratic debate last night, the Republican debate last week, Um, what would you say was the, um, the main issue being talked about, being discussed? National security, safety, right, that clearly took the forefront, the same exact issue as the nation of Judah was struggling with, so incredibly timely to look at Isaiah right now, but Isaiah doesn't just acknowledge the darkness, he gives this vision of hope which the people of Judah desperately needed, which we desperately need, and which has everything to do with Christmas. So, today we come to chapter 9, which really brings together everything that we've been saying about how to find light in a dark world. So, let's read the passage, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. "'Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress.' In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And this is the word of God. So I see two big things going on in this passage. First, there's this vision of of light. And then he transitions and talks about the giver of this light. So, there's the vision of it, and then who it is who will bring it or or give this light. So, let's talk first about what this vision is that Isaiah paints. First, listen to some of the words that Isaiah uses to describe the way that things were in Judah. Gloom, distress, darkness. So, depressing words, right? And when you look at the broader context of the book of Isaiah, you know, there are 66 chapters We're just, you know, looking at a little sliver of that in the beginning here. But as as themes begin to repeat and you see patterns through the book, you find out that things in Judah were gonna get worse before they got better. I know that's not very encouraging thing, but all through the book, yes, he gives hope, but he consistently says the good stuff isn't gonna happen for a while yet. And the reason for that, he emphasizes throughout the book, is that the people of Judah and the leaders of Judah were gonna continue shoving God to the side. They, they just had this habit. They were going to continue to, to try to make life work with God in the margins. And uh, you might remember we said this the first week, any time a person like you or me or a family or an organization or a country decides to push away from God, the space that's created will inevitably be filled with darkness. And that was true of Judah. In so many ways, that's true Of us, So, the darkness was going to get worse, but but that's what makes the light so incredible when when the light finally comes. So, verse 2, it says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Do you notice you grammarians, um, he writes this in, in past tense or present perfect if you want to be really specific? As if it already happened, right? A light has dawned. Um, Prophets would often do this, because if you think for a minute about God and his relationship with time, God can see, for example, the day of your death, which I don't think has happened yet for any of us, as clearly as God can see the day of your birth, because God is outside of time, Um, he knows exactly what the future will be just as well as he knows the past. As far as he's concerned, it's all as good as done, right? You can see it just as clearly as, as any of the rest. So when a true prophet of God would speak, it was like God lifted them up to see time from his perspective. So a prophet can talk about something like it's already happened, even though from our perspective, it's still in the future. Am I making sense on this? So when Isaiah says, a light has dawned, it hadn't happened yet when when he wrote this, um, but from the perspective of God, it was as good as done. So in this future picture, this great light is producing two things. First of all, deep joy. Verse 3, he says, again, looks like past tense here. It hadn't actually happened, but it's as good as done. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest or as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. So he gives these two images that they would have been familiar with of, of joy. And the first image is harvest time. Hard for us to imagine, but after months of tilling the soil, and planting the seed, and praying for rain, and knowing all the things that could go wrong, you know, disease, and and drought, and all those things, harvest shows up, and it's like a party, it's like, we're not going to stop for another winter, we're not going to starve, the kids aren't going to go to bed hungry, we're going to have dinner parties and serve fresh baked bread, because we've got grain, harvest is here, for a farming culture, joy didn't get much better than harvest, he says, it's going to be like that, and then the other picture he gives is warriors dividing the plunder. So, in other words, after the stress of fear uh, and, and, and uh, sleeplessness and all the things that go along with battle, the war is finally over and we won. Our families are safe. Our land is safe. Our children are safe. Now we can go back home. You ever see a soldier returning home after doing battle? I mean, it's hard to, to beat the joy of a moment like that, Right? So when this light comes, it will bring deep, deep joy. And then secondly, when this light comes, it will bring lasting peace. Verse five, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It'll be fuel for the fire. In other words, there will come a day when army boots and combat uniforms just literally won't be needed anymore. Can you imagine that? Last week, one of the news programs did a a, um, kind of a man-in-the-street interview, and I think it was in New York City, and the question they were asking people is, honestly, do you think there will ever be a time when war will be completely over, complete world peace? And this is different than I've seen people respond other times in history. The majority of people said, I don't think it's ever going to happen. And they showed the the interview with one guy, kind of the the, uh, the follow-up with him, and they said to him, why don't you think it's ever gonna happen? And he said, human nature. Said there just seems to be something in people that wants to create conflict. I think it's a very perceptive comment. And so here's what Isaiah is really saying. This light that's coming will actually have the power to transform human nature so radically that war will actually cease. It's a tremendous concept. So when this light comes, he hasn't told us what the light is yet, Something about this light will bring us deep joy and lasting peace. Do you know anyone who doesn't want those things? Do you know, do you know a single person who just goes, Nah, joy, peace, not my thing? I, I prefer misery, war. Everybody wants this, right? The question is, what does it take? It's like, like the question of, of the ages, right? What does it take? to bring the thing that all of us deep down want and long for and maybe talk about Christmas more than any other time of the year. How is it possible? So let's talk about the second point, the bringer of light. Verse 6 says, "'For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders.'" So the joy and the peace that every human heart longs for will be made possible, he says, when a certain child is born.'" Just listen to the different names that are assigned to this child. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Apparently, the child would be more than just an ordinary human, right? I mean, you don't go around calling kids mighty God or everlasting. Evidently, the person you're talking about is more than than a mere mortal. And the obvious question is, who could possibly live up to that description? Only one person. So when you open up the New Testament and you start reading the first gospel, you soon come to these words. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So here's what, here's what Matthew was saying. The light that Isaiah was talking about, who would enter into this world as a child and through his life bring to people deep joy and lasting peace, is Jesus. Do you believe that? I know a lot of you do. I mean, that's, that's why you're here today. But there's something in this Isaiah 9 passage, I think the thing that's the strongest, that's emphasized the most about this light, that's easy to miss. And if you miss this, I, I think you missed the best part of Christmas. So look again at verse 4, Isaiah 9 verse 4. For as in the day of Midian's defeat... And just a, just a little parenthesis here, if you know the story of, of, uh, of Gideon uh, back in Judges chapter 6 when God used him as a very unlikely leader to defeat Midian, um, it was a situation where something very small and seemingly powerless, God whittled it down to 300 people fighting for Israel, defeated a formidable Midianite army. So he's comparing it to this time in Israel's history when this seemingly powerless, insignificant force was able to defeat an incredible enemy. He says, just like in those days, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. So it seems like Isaiah is picturing the darkness in this world almost like a slave master. You see that? So it's like we have this yoke on our neck it's like we've got this rod uh, across our shoulder that people, someone's making us carry stuff on, and we've got this other rod that's beating us. Anybody ever feel like you're getting beat down by the darkness of the world? It's what this is, is picturing. But then look, when this light comes, he'll do this drastic thing. It says he will shatter the yoke. He won't just, won't just set a good example. He won't just inspire us to help ourselves. He himself will free us what this is talking about. So, if we don't view Christmas as the story of how God has come to free us, I say we're missing the best thing about Christmas. The other day, I was watching The View on TV. Did he really just say that? (laughs) Yes, it's a show where um, five very opinionated women sit around and argue about things. And I'll be honest, I wasn't actually watching it when it aired. I saw a clip of it the next day, but I'm so happy that I did, because here's what happened. I'm going to tell you about the view this last week. They showed this billboard, which is being posted around the country now. It's put out by the American Atheist Association, and the billboard says, ready? Go ahead and skip church. Just be good for goodness sake. Happy holidays. And Joy Behar, the host, not the ghost, the host of the show, um, was asking the other panelists, does this offend you? Should this offend people? And I think the most interesting response was from Candace Cameron Bure. Anybody remember Candace Bure? She used to be on Full House, remember? And she's grown up and she's, uh, she's very open about her Christian faith. And she said, I'm not offended by that at all. In fact, I'm incredibly grateful because it gives me perfect opportunity to talk about the gospel. Because the billboard says, go and be good. And the question is, well, what, what is good? What's the standard of goodness? What's God's standard? of goodness. And then, Raven Simone spoke up. Remember Raven? Another childhood star. She looks a little different. Um, But Raven said, well, I'm not offended by the billboard because it promotes being good. And after all, quote, that's what all religions are about anyway. At that point, Candace, there's always a little fight, Candace and another panelist named Paula Faris, who's an ABC News correspondent, both said, that's not true. And Raven said, you don't think all religions are about being a good person? And Paula said, not Christianity. It's by grace through faith. And Raven was speechless. I mean, she just was trying to find words. She didn't know what to say because, count on this, when you take the conversation from, from religion and you shift it to the gospel, um, it confuses people. People, people are, are disoriented. And that, you could see that happening with, with Raven. And then Paula continued, quote, it's by grace through faith you've been saved. It's nothing we can do. This was on The View, did I mention that? On, on morning TV. So, the host, Joy Behar, started to get nervous, and she said, well, I'm a good girl. I don't know what they're worried about, and Candace didn't let her get, get away with that. Um, with a very, very gentle and loving demeanor, she said, well, let's talk about being good. The Bible says that if you disobey one command, it's as if you disobeyed all of them, and she looked at, 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 uh, at Joy, the host, and she said, have you ever lied about anything? And Joy quickly admitted, that she had lied, and by the way, coveted a lot of stuff also. This whole thing seemed to be getting way too personal, so they changed the subject and the show moved on. So why did I just tell you that? Because that little discussion was so revealing of why most people miss the best part of Christmas. Because I really think that in the mind of so many Americans, they believe that they're pretty good people. And that Jesus, just like every other great religious leader, came into this world to inspire us to just keep on being good. And I've got to tell you, if that's all Christmas is, I'm bored already, and we don't really have anything to celebrate this week. But the light that Isaiah promised and who showed up in Bethlehem did not come to inspire pretty good people to just be a little bit better. He came to people who were being held captive by sin. He came to liars and covetors and prejudiced people who's, by the way, who's lying and coveting and prejudiced were making the world a really dark place, people like me, and he came to shatter the yoke of sin. Because when Jesus went to the cross, right, he didn't stay a baby, when Jesus grew up and he went to the cross, he absorbed in himself the power of sin that God held against us rightfully. And he took our place and took God's judgment for our sin. And by doing that, he shattered the power of sin in our lives. And so when we look at that, if we will just humble ourselves and stop pretending that we're pretty good people and ask for God's forgiveness, he forgives us. He fills us with his power to begin to live differently. That I can celebrate on Christmas. That's good news. That's something drastic that's been done for us. So the question is, when does this vision of Isaiah... Get fulfilled. I mean, when does the world see this, this deep joy and this lasting peace that Isaiah is talking about? Well, it will be completely fulfilled when Jesus returns one day. And he promised that when he came to Bethlehem, that wasn't the last time he's coming, he's coming again. That's when these promises will fully be fulfilled. But in the meantime, we get to be part of the solution, not because we're pretty good people, but because Jesus himself has filled us with his life and with his light and with his peace. We get to be carriers of his joy as we experience it, and we get to be catalysts for peace in the world. And as we continue to take the focus off of ourselves and off of our own goodness and just point people to Christ, and, and remind everyone that Christmas is not about me being good for God. It's about how incredibly good he was to us when he sent Christ. As we do that, the world will be a brighter place. That's why Jesus came. That's what Christmas is all about. Would you rise? We're going to close in prayer. And just before you, you go today, I mean, there's, there's so much that's going on this week. Um, I'm just going to ask that you will pray, more than anything else, that you will pray that God will be just at work around all of us. Um, There are people that we know, uh, there are neighbors that you have, there are people that you work with and go to school with, that it could be that that little invite to come and, and light a candle and sing Christmas carols on Christmas Eve could be the thing that could make all the difference in their lives. So just pray for open hearts, pray for loving people enough to invite them, pray for the impact that God's gonna enable us to have in Newark and Patterson on Christmas morning. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful week um, and it highlights everything that Isaiah is saying, that the light has come and that we get to just point people to him all over the place this week uh, in a very unique way. So let me just lead us in praying for that. Father God, thank you so much that Christmas is not about us just trying to be pretty good. Lord, how, how unfulfilling that would be and how powerless that would be. Thank you that a savior has come who broke the yoke that makes us slaves to sin by going to the cross and rising victorious. Lord, I pray that as we sing Christmas carols and as we worship you this Christmas, our minds would, would make that line, that straight line from the cradle of Bethlehem to the cross of Calvary. And that because of that, Lord, we would just be more excited to point to you and to to hold you forth as the answer that everyone needs. Lord, we and all of our friends want deep joy and lasting peace. And I pray we would humbly hold forth Christ as the one who can bring those. Lord, would you bless all that you're going to do through us this week. I pray that your light would shine brightly through us. I pray for peace and joy on everyone in this room. It's in the name of Christ I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you Christmas Eve.